by the end of the summer. Go ahead. Had to make you guys think a little bit on that one this morning. Uh, Welcome to Renew. I'm Jamie. Uh, The party at our house is going to be off the hook. So make sure to sign up. Not not sign up. You can just show up. Make sure to show up the 28th. Uh, It's going to be awesome. Um, And a great night to gather together and just get to know people. So uh, if you're free that night, we'd love to have you over at our house. Uh, today, this morning, I want to talk about, um, I was reading through the, in the beginning of the book of Mark, and the story stuck out to me, and I've, I've read it probably a million times, and uh, I preached about it probably three, four, five years ago, and this story just like, you know, sometimes a story just jumps out of the page. It's a story in the, the book of Mark, and it's in chapter 2. And Jesus is beginning his ministry in chapter 1 of Mark, and, and Mark is telling the story from his perspective of what life with Jesus looks like. And one thing that's interesting about the way that Mark writes the gospel, the story, is that he uses the minor characters in the story to prove a point. Who are the major characters in the gospel? Jesus is one. Who's another one? The disciples are another. Who's another one? I think the bad guys usually. The Pharisees, right? So those are the major characters that you see throughout the story. Mark brilliantly weaves in all these minor characters, and they usually prove the point of the story. A lot of times they're opposite of how the disciples are reacting. The disciples will be reacting this way, and then a minor character will come along and be the example of what a disciple is supposed to act like. Or the Pharisees are getting all bent out of shape about something, and the minor characters are ushered in as the example of what it means to follow Jesus, what it means to be a disciple of Christ. Yes. And so the minor characters in this story, pay attention to them. Because Jesus is starting his ministry. He's going around. He's ministering to people. He's healing people. He's gaining a lot of attention and fame within the local community. Which I think is normal, right? Imagine if, if someone was, you heard of somebody in Eau Claire who people were bringing uh, their friends that had cancer, their friends that had multiple illnesses, their friends that are demon-possessed to this man, and he was healing them. Th- that would cause quite a stir, even today. There'd be a lot of people trying to get to see what is going on. But Jesus, in the first chapter, goes, I- I- I'm, I'm on a mission 
Uh, I, I need to get away for a little bit and go spend some time in the wilderness. See, Jesus wasn't drawn in by the fame and by the momentum of his ministry. He actually paused it and know, knew he needed to get away. I believe it was to spend some time and remind himself of his identity and purpose in the midst of a crazy ministry season. And then we come upon chapter 2. I'll just read through this story and then we'll kind of go through it piece by piece. But a few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. So many gathered, there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralytic carried by four of them, since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, and they made an opening in the roof above Jesus. And after digging through it, they lowered the mat uh, the, the paralyzed man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some of the teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this is what they were thinking, and he addressed it. He confronted it. Why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk. But you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. He got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, we've never seen anything like this. This is an incredible story, right? And I want you to kind of just put yourself in the place. Put yourself in the story. Pick a character in the story and put yourself in the story. Jesus is gaining fame. He's in the town. Four guys hear of Jesus and what he's capable of. Four guys, there's a stir in the town, there's a crowd forming in the house, and four friends of a paralyzed guy laying on a mat, he can't move, come up with an idea. Which is amazing, right? Because these four guys could have said, hey buddy, uh, get yourself to the house, we're going to go see what Jesus is up to, right? Sometimes that happens. We heard about this Jesus that's doing miracles. We heard about this Jesus that could transform lives. We heard about this Jesus. We're going to go experience him. You over here, good luck. There's something going on. Maybe you can make it. Maybe not. See if you get there. These four guys go, no, no. We are going to bring our friend because we have the faith that if we can just get our friend in front of Jesus, something cool can happen. How many of us have that feeling? How many of us have the feeling of, man, if I could just get my friend in front of Jesus, something amazing could happen. 
This thing that they're struggling with could go away. This identity that they're wrestling with could be transformed. This sin that they're struggling with, they could find freedom in it. How many of us have that mindset? There's Jesus. He's doing something in the community. There's Jesus. People's lives are being transformed. People's lives are being changed with the power of the gospel. I need to get my friend to Jesus. Uh, Honestly, I was reading this story, and this is what stuck out to me first. And my first question was, am I doing this? Am I doing this as a friend? It's interesting, over the last couple years, I think we can get lost in all sorts of things, right? I think we can get lost in uh, everything that's uh, COVID. I think we can get lost in political ideologies. I think we could get lost in other ideologies. I think we can get lost in being annoyed or upset with somebody. I think we could get lost in all these divisions that are in our world. I think we could get lost in all sorts of things. And I was thinking about this, these verses in this story. And I couldn't help but feel just a little bit, maybe I've gotten lost in some of that stuff. And maybe as a culture, as a church, we're getting lost in some of that stuff. When really the true motivation, the true soul goal is get people to Jesus. Get people in front of Jesus. Notice, he's a paralytic. He's on a mat. Do you think it was easy to get him in front of Jesus? No. They didn't have cars. They didn't have motorized things. So literally, I don't know the distance they had to carry this man, but four of his friends went and found it worthy enough to go, we need to get you in front of Jesus. The paralytic guy said, okay, sure. I don't know if I fully believe it, but I'm game. It's important to know as you try to bring your friends to Jesus, you have to first get permission that they want to come to Jesus. First step. It's awfully hard to bring somebody to Jesus that doesn't want to come to Jesus, right? Then you have to resort to, well, I'm just going to pray for you. I'm going to keep loving you and serving you as best I can. And I'm going to keep praying for you that one day you'll want to come to Jesus. But these guys, maybe it's five miles, maybe it's ten miles, grabbed the mat, picked this guy up, walked him to the house. And what did they find when they got to the house? It's crowded. Turns out they're not the only ones that think, I want to get in front of Jesus. There's all sorts of people in the crowd. There's people that want to be there because they're genuinely interested in what's happening. There's, we see some people sitting on kind of the sidelines, kind of watching, analyzing, skeptical, seeing, trying to catch Jesus in a trap. We see all these people in the crowd of this house. In this day, the houses could probably hold 50 people. So there's 50 people packed in the house. There's a bunch of people outside all trying to get a glimpse of Jesus. All for different reasons. That may have been reason enough, right? 
for you and I to bring our friend to Jesus to go, oh, we got to sit out down the block because there's too many people. We didn't get here early enough. Maybe we'll catch the next show. Is that what these guys did? No, they didn't. They decided to get creative because they knew their desire to get their friend in front of Jesus was greater than the obstacle that was in front of them. So what they do? Climbed on the roof. They made an opening in the roof above Jesus. And after digging through it, they lowered the man down on the mat. See, his roofs were made of stick, of mud, of grass was growing on them. And so literally, they went up there and were digging a hole in the roof. Like, imagine that scene. Jesus is sitting there teaching. And all these people are listening. All these people are, some of them are judging him. Some of these people are, their lives are being changed at that moment by Jesus. And then dirt starts to fall from the ceiling. I imagine that stopped the show. I imagine they all looked up like, what's happening? And I imagine it took a little bit of time, right, to just dig a hole in the ceiling. So they're digging. I imagine there's some doubts creeping in. I don't know what we're doing. This is crazy. We're going to be judged. Like, how are we ruining this person's house? Like, we're digging a hole in the ceiling. There's no insurance to pay for this. Like, we got some issues here. They didn't care. They had one thing in mind. Get our friend in front of Jesus because he can be healed. Dug a hole, lowered him down. We see this conversation take place. Jesus says, son, your sins are forgiven. I imagine everybody in the room is going, great, Maybe that was the miracle they were looking for. Maybe they were let down by that. There's some religious leaders that are sitting there critiquing and judging and watching and, and, and playing referee to what's happening in Jesus' ministry. And they're sitting there going, look, 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 he said it. <laughs> he said uh, he forgives the sins. Only God can do that. We got him. We got him in a trap. Jesus engages with him. I know what you're thinking. I know your heart and your spirit in this moment. And it's filled with judgment. It's filled with critique. It's filled with all these things that aren't good. What's easier for me to say he's forgiven or for me to heal him? He goes, watch, I'll do both. Yeah, your sins are forgiven and get up and walk. How many of you have watched the TV show Chosen, The Chosen? It's an amazing show. You should watch it if you haven't. Go ahead. You will be blessed by it. There's an app you can download. You can watch it. It's great. This show walks through the Gospels, and it's done remarkably well. Like, I'm not a huge fan of, uh, uh, shall we say, produced Jesus stories in the past. They're a little cheesy, if we're honest. This is done amazingly well. 
And uh, in this story, it shows this story. You can just look it up on the internet. Uh, Jesus heals a paralytic, the chosen, and you'll see this scene. But in this scene, like, the guy's healed. The guy gets up. And then the place erupts in cheering. Jesus gives the guy a hug. Like, I love the chosen story because it humanizes what it must have been like to be there. We read it on the page, and it's something else. But just imagine being there, and you literally see this guy who can't move on a mat get up and walk. You're telling me there wasn't celebration? There wasn't praise that erupted? There wasn't awe and wonder that came among anybody who was standing in the place. He got up, took his mat, walked out in full view of everyone, and everyone was amazed. Did you just see that? Did you just see what Jesus did? That guy, no joke, laying on a mat, couldn't move, and he left the house on his feet. That is amazing. And sometimes, church, I wish we could capture some of this awe and wonder and amazement. Sometimes we see somebody come to Jesus, we're like, oh, good. Awesome. Somebody got baptized. Yay! Felt really good in church today. Somebody's life completely turned around. Somebody, look, somebody brought their friend to church. And their friend found healing and community and love and grace. And their friend's lives were transformed. Yeah, good. It's good for a Sunday morning. Church, sometimes we got to wake up. And we got to live into and celebrate what's happening in our midst. Someone's healed. Someone's transformed. Awesome. We should be cheering, celebrating. We should be in wonder and awe of the work that God is doing in our midst. I don't know. Maybe we don't see enough of it. Or maybe we're too busy. Or maybe we're too distracted. Or maybe we don't ask enough questions to find out the stories. I find this story truly amazing because it's the essence of the gospel. And I believe it's the essence of what it means to be a Christ follower. Right? I mean, there's stuff that's part of being a Jesus follower, being involved in community, going to church, serving, praying. All these things are a part of being a Jesus follower. But at the essence of being a Jesus follower, it's what? Go. Go and make disciples. Go and bring your friends to Jesus. Go and bring your friends to Jesus. We get distracted in all these other things, right? Well, I don't like this person because they don't believe in the same politics as I do. I don't like this person because they have this ideology that's taking them all over the place. I can't possibly talk to them. Uh, This person doesn't like Jesus, so I can't talk about Jesus. This person, I I don't know how to tell my story about Jesus, so I'm going to just pull back and not be a part of their life because I'm insecure about my role in telling them about Jesus. 
What's our job? Our job is this. Bring our friends to Jesus. Bring our friends to Jesus. Here's a question. Uh, Who are you in the story? Because who you are in the story kind of uh, frames up your next move. Who are you in the story? Are you Jesus? Yeah. Maybe don't take that role. Maybe, maybe not. Up to you. Are, are you the disciples and others in the crowd that are in wonder and amazement? Going, wow. Look what Jesus just did. This is incredible. Like he's transforming lives. You can critique the church about a lot of things, but this is the main mission of the church. Get people in front of Jesus. Are you uh, the, the religious teachers who are sitting on the side of the room going, well, the temperature in this room isn't quite right. Uh, the atmosphere isn't quite set up the way I'd like it to be. Uh, Jesus, uh, your message, a little off-putting. You really can't claim to do that because are you really the son of man? Like, are you the religious teacher in the room that's sitting there critiquing, standing on the side, observing? Being the referee instead of getting in the game. Are you one of the four friends who will have this friend out here on the edge of town that you're sitting there going, I've heard of Jesus. Maybe they've experienced Jesus. We don't know. I've heard of Jesus. I know my friend. I need to get my friend in front of Jesus no matter what it takes. No obstacle is going to deter us. Room is full. Don't care. We'll go through the roof. We'll figure out a way to get my friend to Jesus. Because lives can be changed. Is that you? Are you the paralytic who's sitting on the edge of town? Life is hard. Life is broken. Life is fractured. You're hurting. You're in pain. There's all sorts of struggles. And you can't quite get yourself in front of Jesus. What I would say to you, speak up. Because I'm willing to bet There's somebody in this room, there's somebody that's watching online that will help carry you to Jesus. You don't have to do it alone. 
I fully realize there's times in life when we can't pick ourselves up and carry ourselves to the cross, carry ourselves to get in front of Jesus. But that is what church is for. That is what community is for. That is what friends are for. When we can't carry ourselves to the cross, I need a friend to bring me to the cross. Who are you in the story? I think there's two things that have to happen. You have to believe that this is Jesus. You have to believe that Jesus is someone that if you get your friend or yourself in front of Jesus, you can be transformed, you can be healed. You have to first believe that. So so maybe you're sitting there and going, well, that's where I need to start because I'm sitting in the community and I hear of Jesus doing some stuff over here and I'm not all that intrigued to go and find out what it's about. Or I don't really believe that he's doing what he says he's doing or what everybody else says he's doing. So maybe you need to start there where you're a little skeptical, you're doubting, your your faith is is, uh, fractured. Or maybe you don't have faith at all, you never have, and you're taking those first steps to try to find out who Jesus is. Maybe you need to start very simplistically, I need to come to Jesus to find out what he's all about. I need to spend time in the word, I need to spend time praying, I need to get myself in around Christian community so I can figure out who this Jesus is and what he's capable of. Is he someone who's even capable of transforming my life, of freeing me, of changing my identity? Because that's the first step. If you don't believe in Jesus, how's your friend going to believe in Jesus? It may be your spot where, like, I believe in Jesus. I believe miracles can happen. I believe healing. I believe in transformation. I've seen it with my own eyes. It's happened in my own life. Then be intentional about how you are living your life. Don't be sitting on the sidelines. Get in the game and be intentional about how you are living your life. Be intentional about the conversations you are having. Be intentional about the relationships that you are forming, that you are building. That coworker that nobody really likes, maybe it's your job to get to know them and, and like them and actually care about them. Or maybe it's your job just in your everyday friendships to bring up the question, hey, how's your faith? Like, what do you think about Jesus? It's remarkably easy to strike up spiritual conversations. And I find that most people are hungry for it. Hey, what do you think of the church? That one will always get a reaction. Hey, what do you think about Jesus? Hey, what are you struggling with most in your life? I know these are like deep dive questions. But people are a little tired of the superficial questions anyway, so you might as well go deep with them. What was your, 
What was your relationship to church and Jesus growing up? And here's the brilliant part. Even if you're an introvert, all you have to do is ask good questions. They'll talk. Right? So if you're like, oh, I'm an introvert. I don't like talking. So what? Talk. Jesus wants you to talk. <laughs> Open your mouth and initiate a conversation. Because if you ask deep enough questions the right way, you don't have to do much talking. All you have to do is listen. Are you being intentional with your relationships? Are you asking the question over your break, over coffee, over a beer? Are you asking the questions of Jesus to the people you're already connected to? Are you bringing people to Jesus? Because I don't care what side of the political parties you're on. I don't care what you think about COVID. <laughs> I, I don't care what other ideologies you're chasing after. The main thing, I want to get you in front of Jesus. Because I believe if I get you in front of Jesus, he's going to change your life. He's going to transform you. It may not be on my time frame. It may take a while. But I believe it will happen. So, I think your action step determines, is determined by who you are in the story. If you're someone who is not, you know, your relationship with Jesus has grown stale and you don't really know if he can do miracles and transform lives anymore, maybe your first step is, I need to get back in sync with Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Maybe you're sitting on the outside and you have all sorts of friends. You're, you're sitting in the house enjoying the message by Jesus and you're texting your friends and, and you're taking Instagram photos and like, church was amazing today. And you're posting all these photos of your coffee and oatmeal and your Bible and your colored markers all there to show that show the world that you're, you're spending time with Jesus and you're doing these great devotionals. And maybe, maybe, just maybe you need to turn around and see who's behind you that you need to go bring to Jesus so they can experience it too. Or maybe you're sitting on the sideline like the teacher is just critiquing and, and judging and not really part of the game. And to that, I would say, knock it off, get in the game. Is that blunt enough? Yes. So, I encourage you, take your next step. And if you're a paralytic and you're watching today or online and you're sitting here going, I'm broken, I'm hurt, I have all these things I'm struggling with and I can't get myself in front of Jesus, talk to someone in the room, text a friend, send me an email. We would love to walk alongside you.
Let's pray. Jesus. Jesus, I pray that your word would infiltrate our hearts and our minds. Jesus, even these stories that we've read maybe dozens of times, Jesus, I pray that these stories come alive in our minds, in our hearts, and they motivate us, Jesus. Like we see what has happened in the past. And Jesus, I pray that you would bring a fire within us that that can happen now. That Jesus, our role as we follow you is to bring others to you. I pray you stir our hearts and stir our minds and give us opportunities to go and get the paralyzed and get them in front of you regardless of the obstacle. In your name we pray. Amen.